Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey girl, hey, I'm Julie Bender. Julie, you know, life can seem insurmountable sometimes, or, you know, to do the impossible seems impossible. Or sometimes it feels like you just need to sit and eat cupcakes and not deal with it. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, absolutely. both. <laughs> yeah, we are going to be talking to the <laughs> cupcake queen um, shortly, but you know what? She did the impossible too. So before we get there, uh, let's talk about some things that people did that are indeed impossible. Hmm. These really had me scratching my head that that any of them actually happened. For example, in 2021, Croatian Budimir Sobat voluntarily held his breath for, you're not going to believe this, 24 minutes, 37.36 seconds. What? My, uh, my question is, why? Why? And why? I just... Is that actually like medically possible? Was he in a coma? I don't understand. Apparently, you know, Budimir did it. So I guess somebody did. That's strange. All right. Madeline Albrecht was employed at the Hilltop Research Laboratories in Cincinnati, Ohio. This was a testing lab for products by Dr. Scholl. She worked there for 15 years and had to smell literally thousands of feet and armpits during her career. She has sniffed approximately 5,600 feet and an indeterminate number of armpits. I I hope she was paid well. Yeah, I feel like we need that information, Tess. Like, how much did she make? (laughs) Uh, Tess helps us with our show notes. And I just, I just real quick shout out to Tess for finding these ridiculous facts. They are that. Mm-hmm. In 1992, London's Paul Lynch performed 124 consecutive one-finger push-ups. All right, you're what? the exercise person in this I room. I can't do 10 push-ups <laughs> regular. With, with both hands and arms, I mean, right? I can, but I don't like it, and I get annoyed. <laughs> yeah. One-finger push-ups. I need to ask my husband if he can do that, because he's like, how many push-ups should I do? 50, 60, 100? I'm like, stop. Just stop with okay. your non The challenge self. tonight is, Donnie, one-finger one push-ups. Let's see, let's see what you can do. <sighs> All right. This one is truly weird, and I wouldn't say it was an accomplishment by choice <sighs> at all. The others were, but this wasn't. Okay, this is interesting and slightly frightening. I don't know. The only man in the world to be struck by lightning seven times. And this just has me wondering, like, is this because that's the record? There have been people who have been struck six times. Anyway, ex-ranger Roy C. Sullivan, the human lightning conductor of Virginia, was struck seven times. And we actually have record of all seven times. Do you want to hear them? Or will this just make you more afraid to go outside? Oh, no, I think they're interesting. Okay, well, he was first struck in 1942, and he lost his big toenail. Awkward. Then, again, in 1969, he lost his eyebrows. I mean, Roy. In 1970, he had his left shoulder seared. In April of 72, his hair was set on fire. In August of 73, his new hair was refired and his legs were seared. On June 5th of 1976, his ankle was injured. And in June of 77, he got chest and stomach burns. All right. I I just want to say this. 
Roy, why didn't you get a different job? Right. Yeah, it, working indoors he instead must of have outdoors. Like just been energized <laughs> by his job. I don't. I just. I find it odd. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at this poor man's pain. Didn't mean to. In 2011, the Glendale cheerleading team, the USA one, managed to squeeze 20 people in a smart car. I mean, maybe Madeline Albrecht could have come over and smelled their feet and armpits <laughs> while they were in there for one of her researches. Yeah, <sighs> smart cars are Weird. like gnat cars. You know how there's gnats in the bug world? Well, smart cars are that. I don't know how they did that. I, I don't know either. And lastly, this is just insane. In 2001, Ismael Rivas Falcon of Spain pulled a train... Yes, he pulled a train weighing 6,069 pounds over a distance of 32.8 feet with his beard. You know, my husband has... I need has, photo or video proof of this. I'm sure there is one somewhere. <sighs> my husband has a really grand beard. He, he does. really does. But when I trim it and if I pull on it, he is not a happy man. I cannot imagine attaching a train to it. And, and, and what made... Ismail think, you know, I wonder if I could pull a train with my beard. <laughs> yeah, you think he pulled the car first and just worked his way up? I don't know. I just don't know. But I mean, hearing these ridiculous feats remind us that genuinely nothing is impossible. It's not. And when you have dreams and you want to accomplish something that seems like it is not just impossible, but impractical, and maybe everyone around you is telling you you've lost your mind... I think this conversation today will help you know you can do it and maybe persuade instead of dissuade you from your dream. All you have is all you need. That's the life lesson entrepreneur Mignon Francois learned as she turned the $5 she had to feed her family dinner for the week into a multi-million dollar bakery brand. With no experience and no recipe for success or cake for that matter, her path was truly made from scratch. In her book, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe, Mignon shares her story of climbing out of a life of continuous upsets, struggle, and lack to build a legacy that would bless her and future generations. Made from Scratch is one woman's story of finding her purpose with no blueprint, mapping a journey that led to the joy that has become synonymous with Mignon Francois. When you know you don't have enough to reach your dreams, but you're willing to try anyway, Mignon's story may just inspire you. So Mignon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to hang out with you today. But before we jump all the way into your story, I'd love to hear a little bit about what's your what's your life like today? What's a day in the life of Mignon? <laughs> a day in the life of Mignon is not as hard as it used to be. Ooh, girl. <laughs> I get I get to I get to mostly sleep in if I want to. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I'm jealous. I have I have long days of going around telling others what they can do if they believe that mm. the schedule on that can be hard. So uh, I still get up in the morning and work, have worship first thing. So mm. I'm usually up around 4.15 every day. And then I'll wait a minute, usually, wait a minute. Uh, that's that's sleeping in. Oh, for a baker. <laughs> for a baker oh, yeah. that's sleeping in. That's okay. what she means. All right. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I I can sleep in until about four fifteen. I'll usually meet my trainer at uh at the gym uh after that. So maybe between five and six, I'm out the door, and then I'll lead my team in the morning at nine fifteen in a huddle just before they open up the store, 
And then I um, I meet with my marketing coordinator who makes sure that I don't forget anything <laughs> that I have already said yes to that I forgot to tell her about. <laughs> but my writing schedule and mentoring schedule is pretty hefty. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll visit the Entrepreneur Center where I give a lot of my time to um, or some other organization that I serve on a board for. And then the rest of the day belongs to creating recipes, do, being the face of the company uh, and things like that. Oh, sounds I have like eight a... grandchildren too. So, wow, I only have three. I can't imagine eight. That's pretty. That's pretty great. And those, you know, that's your entertainment. You can entertain yes. them. They can entertain you, and then you hand them back. So it's pretty amazing. Yes. <laughs> All right. So before we get into your success story, because that's a pretty significant. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your grandmother. Am I correct that mm -hmm. she was a mentor in your life? And we're big believers in women mentoring other women. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about her and what influence she had. Oh, my gosh. Uh, my grandmother was an amazing baker. And she did. She was a servant, not just in her job, also in her job, but also to her family. I think anything that I asked my grandmother for, she was willing to give it to me. And my grandmother, uh, my I would call her on the phone and say, Grandma, I want this. I'm on my way. And my <laughs> drive to her house was about two hours. So uh, she would make me a cake if I said, that's what I wanted to do, or that's <laughs> what I wanted to have. And what what I loved about her is I spent a lot of time of helping her get her prep work done when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And so that time spent doing her prep work just because I wanted her to be able to watch her, her stories, like she called them. <laughs> the <soap operas>. I <laughs> love it. I wanted her to be able to watch her soap operas and I hated soap operas at that time. Uh, but I wanted her to be able to watch them because I just loved her so much and she worked so hard, right? And so I believe that God redeemed the time that I spent with my grandmother as a child when I became an adult and I needed to figure out how to bake this cake that she was known for making over the long distance miles. And we talk about that extensively in the book, how that came back up to serve me the time that I had spent with her, which is why I believe that nothing is wasted um, and that God is a redeemer of time because it's like I got to reach back in time and use the information that I learned from being with her. Like, what did her hands look like? My hands were bigger than hers. Sometimes, and most times, her hands were swollen. So then that makes her hand even smaller than mine. And so when she was telling me, you know, her way that she was making things, you know, grab a handful of this, pinch this much, measure to your second line on your finger, those kinds of things, I knew that I had to tweak what she was saying, mm -hmm. but it also gave me a clue as to why my grandmother's stuff wasn't always exactly the same. <laughs> and I knew that if I was going to open a business on this, I needed to have consistency. So I began to put a formula to what it was she was teaching me and I added balance. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a little bit of my experience gathered with her experience mm -hmm. to create the recipe that we have today. I love that. And and as we know, you literally now have a $10 million baking empire, 
when in the beginning you had $5 to feed your family. So please tell yeah. me a little bit about that point in your life when, when you had $5 yeah. to go on. Yeah. I was listening to Dave Ramsey who was telling people they could get out of debt by having a bake sale or a garage sale, but I couldn't have a garage sale because we sold everything we had to get to Nashville. So there was nothing else that we could sell that would get us out of debt, that would pay off something. And when I look back over what our debt was, our debt was essentially from just trying to live every day. And that's what I hope that somebody will hear. I am just like you, you know, that somebody is concerned about this economic downturn they're saying that we're headed to. And I had one of those adjustable rate mortgages that all of a sudden adjusted. Oh, yeah. And even though I couldn't afford to pay it at the lower interest rate, now I really couldn't afford to pay it. So our note went from something like $1,100 to the next month being $2,200. And I'm already behind a year. Mm. So we know that foreclosure is coming. And so I'm just looking as I'm trying to take whatever money that my ex-husband was bringing at the time, I was just trying to get big bill money and field trip money for our kids and, you know, things like that. I didn't even attack the mortgage payment. And so when I was going through the Dave Ramsey baby step plan, which asks you to snowball your way out of debt, right? It asks you to take, you know, whatever you have and attack the smallest bill first so that you can have some wins. Hmm. And I was trying to do what, how I call it, cash stuffing into envelopes. Um, there was not enough to pay for anything. And I looked up and realized we only had $5 left in the budget and I hadn't bought any food for our family. Hmm. So the first thing you're supposed to secure is your four walls your light bills, you know, the, the right. energy bills for the house and food. And I couldn't even do that when my neighbor knocked on the door and asked me to make cupcakes for her. Mm -hmm. And so she's asking me to make cupcakes. I don't have any money to even buy ingredients because I don't even have food money. Right. And so she could see that I was perplexed by her request and she's all excited thinking I'm about to bring Mignon in order and it's going to be cute <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be a great thing and she's so excited about it and I'm not excited hmm. because I'm wondering how am I going to tell her that I can't afford to take this order and before I could conjure up in my head what I was going to say she tells me well listen listen don't worry about getting paid or all that kind of stuff. I'll pay you as you finish them. So I said, so what you're saying is if I go buy the stuff today and I go make the product, you will pay me today. She said, absolutely. And I had to secure that, right? Because sometimes uh -huh. people are going to pay you in 30 days or, you know, kind of when I get paid, you get paid. And I didn't have the money to gamble like that. Right. And so she said, absolutely. I'm going to pay you when you get done. And had she known what my situation was, I don't even believe she would have made that kind of offer to me. I don't even believe that she would have believed that I could take that money and turn it into anything. Mm -hmm. But I started calculating immediately in my head what this money would buy me in ingredients and that it would be enough to get her something. Because she didn't tell me what 
give me some and I'll pay you some was going to look like, right? She just said, give me some. And I knew that that $5 would do something. And I turned that five into 60 that day because I was selling them for about $12 a dozen. And I had, I calculated that I could make a dozen for about a dollar. And so I turned that that 60, I turned that 60 into 600 by the end of the week. Hmm. And that's the same money I've been flipping all these years. For 17 years, I've been flipping that same money. It was that investment, that seed money that I planted in the business. And this is the harvest that has grown out of it. Did you have any doubts, Mignon, while you were doing that? Like, okay, it's multiplied to 60, it's multiplied to 600 can it do more or am I out of my ever loving mind to think it could grow into something significant? The, the beauty of this that I was experiencing is I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I didn't know that I was turning it into a business by the time, but it's on the hindsight. My mom would always say hindsight is 2020. It's on the hindsight that I see what I went through and why I immediately began to tell others about what happened to me so that they could do it too. Because sometimes when you have your head down and you're in the grind, you can't see like they say, the picture, because you're stuck inside of the frame. And, you know, so you don't, you don't see what it looks like and you don't see what you're accomplishing. And that, that is literally what this story was. I didn't know that I was literally preparing to make ends meet forever. And I was just looking for field trip money on a regular basis. I thought, well, if I, you know, go ahead and create the field trip money before the field trip field trip comes, right? I would have enough when the field trip arrived. I didn't know that that abundance was going to flow out of this and jobs were going to flow out of this. I think it was just being obedient to trying to get the lights on and trying to secure our house. I really just was trying to help make ends meet as my husband's health meet at the time. Okay. So I'm hearing this and I'm sure that it wasn't just easy all of the way. <laughs> um, oh, so tell me, me, tell me some of the challenges that you experienced, maybe some ones that, that jump out and how you faced them. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest challenges I faced is that I was a stay at home mom. Hmm. And I feel like well, before I say this, I want people to understand that when you are trying to get out of something, you have to determine what out looks like for you. You got to get a vision in your mind as to what it will be like when you are out. So you can't just be willy-nilly doing a thing and expect a different result. We were stuck in insanity, doing the same thing, expecting a different result to happen without a plan in place. So this is me going back to the scientific method that I had learned in college. That scientific method that I had never applied or couldn't apply to the human body, which was flunking me out of school as a biology student, now came back to serve me in my kitchen as my grandmother had given me her recipe for strawberry cake. I was able to apply those things. I wrote down everything that she said. And I realized this is what was wrong in my chemistry classes 17 years ago. I couldn't understand balancing equations. But right now in this kitchen, 17 years later in my 30s, 
it all is like mind blowing. I immediately go back to chemistry lab and say, oh, this is what they meant about borrowing <laughs> from this and putting to this chemical to make a new chemical. And I realized then I could make chemical reactions mm -hmm. and I could affect cake to be whatever I wanted it to be by causing it to create air bubbles for softness or less bubbles for density, like whatever I wanted to do. So I started making recipes from there on my own. And so that was one of the lessons that I learned in the process is that every stupid thing that you've ever had to do is taking you from where you are to where you want to be. That was the first aha moment that I had. But one of the other challenges that I had besides the fact that I couldn't bake when I started this, not even out of a box, I learned to apply what I had been through. It, my past had to inform my future. I learned to apply what I had been through in order to take me where it was that I wanted to go. But another hard thing that I was going through that I don't reveal until I write the book is that we had decided to get a divorce. So I'm a stay-at-home mom. Everything is, all of, all of my eggs are in this one basket. My husband only brings me whatever he decides to bring to the table for our family. I'm having to juggle whatever he decides to bring and give me to use. And a, and a housewife is a manager of the household, right? And, and that's what I call myself, a household manager. I was managing my life and the lives of seven other people. Mm -hmm. And so whatever he was giving me, it was my job to make it work. And so it was my job to make him look good, right? It was my job to make sure that we ate and that we had a roof over our heads and all these things, but I wasn't being supplied with enough to make that happen. So in the midst of this, he asked me for a divorce. <laughs> and I'm just saying, how am I supposed to now provide for myself when my whole life and these last 20 years has been investing in you and what you wanted to do and raising these children. And his response was, you have a college degree. <laughs> mm. So that, that was the hardest thing was the realization that now, not only do I have to start over, I don't have any experience to add to the table and I've still got to provide for my children when I've been out of the game for now, at that point, 21 years. So I started working every day like it was a job to get this bakery business open. Mm -hmm. And I started stuffing money into envelopes and hiding it in order to get what I needed to provide for my family. Mignon, you're, you are so not alone in that scenario where mm -hmm. There are a lot of women who may be in, you know, not good marriages, may be splitting up or maybe never married, or their husband isn't making enough and they've got to figure out their side, but they feel ill-equipped. They feel mm -hmm. like they can't do it. And there's one thing that we constantly tell women is, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's going to be easy because it's not. Not saying you're not mm -hmm. going to feel like you're not the one. You know, you you may feel like you're not the one who can actually pull this off. Someone like Mignon can or someone like Julie can <laughs> or someone, you know, somebody else can. That's not true. Every woman mm -hmm. has it within them 
to go from this lowest place to success in whatever that mm -hmm. that is for their dreams and their hope. But I also mm -hmm. know that your faith plays a real role in your life and how you approached mm -hmm. all of these. Tell us a little bit about that, too. Yeah, that the key, I believe that you said just now is that you are not alone. That's why I told the story, not so that people could be in my business, but so they could be about their own so that they could see that I didn't have any credit. My cars were repossessed. My house was up for foreclosure. I was at the lowest place that you could be. But I believe that we all have a measure. We all have something, even if it's a little bit, we all have something that we can use to get us out. I believe there's, there's a biblical story, a biblical proverb of a woman who's husband has died. I love telling this story because she's she's basically a single mom at this point with some boys who are going or who are going to be arrested and and put into enslavement because their father has died and left some debt. And so she goes to the prophet who her husband had been working for, you know, these Christians basically. She's like, you know, my husband gave his life to you and this work what am I supposed to do? And so she asked the prophet a question and the prophet doesn't give her an answer. The prophet returns her question with a question. And he says to her, what do you have in your house? And that's the thing that I believe women have to ask themselves. What do you have in your house that you can use to get you out? Mm -hmm. For me, I went into my cabinets and I started inventorying beans, and rice and things that I could use to go to the store to get the necessities, right? You're not supposed to go to the grocery store hungry because then you start buying all kinds of things that you don't need, right? Mm -hmm. But I went and I inventoried what I had that I could use in order to help to feed the family so that I could use what little money we had to go buy ingredients. And that's what, I, that's what I'm hoping that they will hear me say. You have something on the inside of your house, whether that is some woman out here has some a beautiful collection of bags that can go and be sold online for profit to use to get somewhere else. Some woman has, you know, like me, a, a talent, a skill set in the kitchen that she can meal prep for somebody. But somebody doesn't have things. Somebody is it has less than that, just like me. You know, all I had was five dollars and I had nothing I could sell. But I had something in my wheelhouse. That means something in my gifts, my talents, the, the service that I could give. I've heard about women who have use their talents and gifts to go clean or to help someone else organize or help someone market their own business or be an assistant and say, I can run, I can babysit. What is it that you have in your house or inside of your wheelhouse that can take you from where you are to where you want to be? For sure. 
Okay. I think all of that is so practical. And, and I, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, what do I have in my house? You know, what do I, what talents am I <laughs> squandering honestly? And so mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that I'm not the only one thinking that way. So I really appreciate you giving that really insightful and mm, maybe even borderline convicting advice. Um, something I would love to hear about. I, I know that, you know, you write in your, in your book about the reality that you're a descendant of people who were enslaved on a sugarcane plantation. Mm-hmm. And now your business is built on sugar as the main ingredient. <laughs> Talk to me about what that has been like for you um, just in your journey. Oh man, I feel empowered. I feel I didn't I didn't recognize these things until I was writing the story. It was in the process of writing this book that we learned that our father was born on a sugarcane plantation. So I'm from New Orleans, which was the hub of slave trade in this country, mm-hmm. uh, in the world, actually. And so uh, there is more. Uh, there are more landmarks and more examples of enslavement in the city where I'm from than anywhere in in the world. And so learning that my father was born on a sugarcane plantation was the first like, whoa, this we're talking about dad. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about hundreds of years ago, which first began to show me that we may be far removed from enslavement individually, but not, I mean, generationally, but it is running in in our veins. Mm-hmm. You know, like individually, we might feel so far away from it, but generationally it's knocking on your back door. Mm-hmm. And it's in all of our, it's in all of our history. And so for me to know that my ancestors could not own their own labor that didn't stop them from being gifted and talented individuals who had something to offer Mm. just what they had to offer was taken from them but it was the grit and the toil that they put in that gets placed into my father that gets passed into his children that i get to stand on today And even though you don't know the names of those women who came before me, you will experience them because you will know my name and you will experience me and it will be good, even great in, in the world because nothing is wasted. I believe that every stupid thing is taking you from where you are to where it is that you want to be. And if nothing is wasted, then even their blood, sweat, and tears can't be wasted. And that is passed on through the generations. And so I feel like, wow, everything I went through to get from there to here was necessary because had I not experienced Xavier University the way that I experienced it, I wouldn't have been aware of what I could use these ingredients to do. And I believe that, like I said earlier, God is a redeemer of time or the ultimate timekeeper. And so all those things that my grandparents went through or my, my ancestors went through don't have to be wasted because here I am using what I what is passed down through the generations to build wealth now that can be passed down through the generations and a legacy that my children can stand on and be proud of as it's passed on to say my grandmother. I always wanted my name to mean something. We would sit down in my great grandmother's house 
and we were taught our history. And she would tell us, she told us her name. She told us her grandparents' name. She told us who we were. And so she wanted us to know who we were, but she wanted us to know whose we were. And so she made it her business to give us a pride in the people that came before us. And that wasn't lost on me. So I feel extremely proud to be a descendant of these women um, and these men who came before me and whose, whose legacy I'm standing on their shoulders. And now I'm, I'm in the trenches, leaving something for my children and their children's children. Mignon, I love that because I'm a huge believer in the legacy of those who went before you. I have a great-grandmother that was my treasure as a little girl, and everything about her I wanted to be because of her strength. And then I found out later in life that she got pregnant as a 17-year-old in the early 1900s, okay? Mm and had the horror and disdain of all of the community around her and finally found a cruel man that would marry her, okay? Not the one who, who was the father, but she ended up having another 12 children, lived through all kinds of hard life, and was one of the strongest women I've ever, ever known. And to me, to carry her legacy with me like you carry your families and to hope our legacy goes to our children and grandchildren. There's nothing more precious than that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that even was convicting as I'm sitting here thinking about um, my grandmother and how she was always in the kitchen, didn't want to be in the kitchen. So when I call her and ask her for help, she's like, girl, you can't even like being in the kitchen. I'm like, grandma, listen, Stay on track. The man on the radio <laughs> says we can get out of debt. We need to be in the kitchen to do this. And so she just is like, okay. But I'm just thinking about as I'm listening to you, all of the women that came before me spent time showing me what they did. And as I'm thinking about my granddaughters who are doing all these great and amazing things that are outside of what I'm creating, they all have worked in the business at some point and I'm teaching them about business. So my my little 11-year-old granddaughter, I was teaching her inventory when she was six. Mm. So she began to understand that she could inventory the juices in the refrigerator by the, the colors on the tops of the lids. And I hadn't even noticed that the lids had different colors. <laughs> and so she started lining all the orange and the whites and the yellows together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Zoe, that's so I, I didn't realize that. And so then it was her job when she would come home from kindergarten to go and make sure that the juices were inventoried in the refrigerator and make sure that those were restocked. And then my other granddaughter is learning. Now she so terribly wants to learn how to decorate a cake. Mm-hmm. And she's eight. She can scoop cupcakes. She she knows how to serve customers. She knows how to reset the bakery. But, you know, I, I need to get with her mom and say, listen, it's time. Like, we've got to start teaching her how to decorate cakes now. So I feel like, mm, as I was listening to you talk about your grandmother, I feel like, you know what, we're going to have a teaching summer, I think. 
I love that. I want to be one of your grandkids. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, maybe kind of staying in that spirit. I feel like I've already learned so much from our conversation, but because I can tell that you have a passion for passing on practical and applicable wisdom to other women that can help them get from where they are, like you said, to where they want to be. What are three or four tips or pieces of advice that you would want to share for someone who's facing what feels like an impossible or unlikely journey right now? Yeah, I love this question. The first thing is, what do you have in your house? What do you have that you can use to get you from where you are to where you want to be? What experiences do you have that can teach you from the past about where it is that you're going into the future? And then I would say that you can live below your means or live within your means, meaning always leave room for you to save some for later. There was this candy that I used to love to get when I was a little kid and a teenager called Now Laters. And the, the real name was now and laters, but they were these little hard candies that if you suck them long enough, they became chewy. And one day I read the package and they said, eat some now, save some for later. I was taking a little bit for now and saving some for later. Mm -hmm. You've always got to have something that you can save for later for an emergency. One of the things I've learned as I've been in business is get a coach. If you can get somebody to mentor you, whether that is your grandmother like mine or your mother or your friend or a true coach in, in business or in life or whatever it is that you want to be, even if athletes have coaches, business owners need coaches. As a stay-at-home mom, I had a mentor. I had somebody to look to who was also a stay-at-home mom of many, like me, whose husband went out and provided, but she was my she was my example of what my house should be looking like. And then I would also say, write down your plans, write down your vision. You have to get it in front of you, what out looks like for you or what success looks like for you and write it down and make it plain so that when others see it, they can run with it. There's a Bible verse that says, write the vision, make it plain that they may run and not faint. Mm -hmm. And that being, I, I was, I'm so proud of what my children have been able to do with the business. It was their goal last year to retire me for my birthday. And my birthday is July 4th and we missed it last year. But this year I was sitting back and I'm realizing that, you know, we, July 4th is upon us. And I, I essentially have only worked one weekend in 2023. Whoa. <laughs> it was because they decided what out looked like for them. And so they wanted to give me rest to do whatever it was that I wanted to do. And that was to go run and tell others about what they could do if they believe. So they put a time frame on it. I would encourage people to make a mission statement for their lives. That's what I did. I wrote a, a mission statement for Mignon Francois. And basically what my coach has, how he explains it is, I will do X or I will accomplish X by X because of X. So I will accomplish whatever thing by whatever date because of whatever reason. Hmm. And so that's what my mission statement 
look like. And when you write a mission statement that looks like that, anybody can remember it. So if I tell you my mission statement right now, you're going to remember it while, while you may not remember the mission statement of the company you work for, because there are these big, gigantic sentences of words that, you know, they have great and amazing core values. Sometimes we can't remember those things. But for me, I wanted to, for me as Mignon Francois, I wanted those people who came in contact with Mignon Francois to experience joy, that they would know that what they could do if they only believed. And so that became my mission to smile through everything or to count it all joy, even though I was experiencing any kind of trial knowing that these trials were teaching me something that when when I got mature in that thing that I was learning, that I would lack nothing. And that was the promise that God had given me. So that's another thing that I would tell them, write a mission statement that puts you in the place that you want to be when you reach that point of success, whatever that looks like for you, or when you get out, whatever that looks like for you, because you've got to get a vision in front of you of what it looks like to succeed. Mignon, you know, and I'm sure you feel this way. There are times in life where you walk away from a conversation thinking, I am richer for having had that conversation. I am, I have gained some treasure from the life of another. And today I absolutely feel that from this time with you and so appreciate it. And I think our listeners will too, because it's encouraging. It's, it's, Mm -hmm achievable. It's real. So I I would say first, listeners, you need to run out and get her book because if her book is anything like this conversation, you need to have it. For sure. Where can they get a copy of your book and where can they learn more from you? Yeah. So they can go on amazon.com and get the book. When you get it, if you love it, leave a review. Those things propel the book further for other people to get this message and see it organically. And then they can reach out to me on my favorite platform is Instagram. So it's mignon.francois on Instagram. And that's M-I-G-N-O-N dot Francois, F-R-A-N. C-O-I-S. And then they can follow me on the Cupcake Collection. Hmm. So uh, we're always open on the thecupcakecollection.com and we ship our cupcakes nationwide. Awesome. Well, Mignon, thank you, like Dar said, for everything you've shared with us and just kind of giving us more to think about and kind of the desire to think about it a little bit more. So we really yeah. appreciate you. We wish you continued success, not just with cupcakes, but in inspiring women, because I can really tell that that's your passion. Thank you so much. And when, when you said about leaving a conversation, Richard, I feel that I, I feel like now I know what I'm supposed to do today. Mm-hmm. And for the and for these next three months, I'm supposed to be pouring into my grandchildren mm-hmm. so that they can have the same experiences that I had with mine. And you just, oh, I just feel so excited. I can't wait to get my shoes on and go and pick them up. Say, <laughs> this is what we're doing. That's and they're going to love that so much. So thank you. Thanks, Mignon. Thank you for having me. I think this Bible verse is incredibly appropriate with everything that we have just talked about. It comes from Deuteronomy 7.13. He will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain, your new wine, and your oil, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock in the land which he swore to your forefathers to give you. Gosh, I hope you guys were as encouraged as Dar and I were. We actually 
continued on with Mignon for a couple minutes afterwards, just thanking each other for our time together. And I hope that you'll take some of the very practical bite-sized but life-changing advice that she gave us today for wherever you are in this season of your life to get you to where you ultimately want to be. So be sure you click over to the show notes, grab her book, go follow along and get some time alone with yourself to work through writing out your vision or your mission to really help propel you to the very next place you ultimately want to be. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.